everybody. So we are so excited to be here for the latest episode of Chesapeake Chats. This is going to be so much fun. Dive in. I'm Rachel and Lisa is here. Hi. And Casey's here. Hey. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining me to talk about this. Really appreciate it. And let's do overall thoughts first about this episode. Uh, <laughs> Lisa, what were your overall thoughts about this episode? Um, such legit giddiness at certain parts and then honestly a lot of disappointment at some parts it was like 50 50 I was mm -hmm. like super excited but then super like wait what yeah <laughs> yeah uh Casey what about you they packed a lot in I was very surprised they packed a lot uh -huh. um I really enjoyed the episode it kept me on my toes um it was a lot of fun I thought uh -huh. uh, moments so cool yeah so i i did like parts of this episode we'll talk particularly i liked the kevin and sarah part i thought that worked real well um but a lot of the other stuff didn't work for me and i i think i was i've been thinking about it and i i think maybe my expectations for the season were just a little too high because of the interviews i'd done and so i was maybe expecting it to be a little better um but I feel like the writing has not been great and I'm hoping that it'll sort of redeem itself, but we're nearing halfway here and I'm still not loving what they're doing. The conflict that they're like abandoning and then creating is underwhelming. And I, and sometimes I think makes the characters feel unlikable and whiny <laughs> and I, I don't know. And, and, and some stuff that just doesn't make sense to me and maybe I should just like, unplugged my brain or whatever and just like it's supposed to be silly I don't know but I I don't know I can't lie and say that I'm loving this season I, I feel like it's just not as well written as I hoped it would be and uh, so but let's dive into the episode and we'll talk about some of those issues that I had so it starts off I'm a little bit confused it starts off with the Trace Riley band is getting off the bus and they said that they've been on this bus for six months so I'm a little bit confused because I thought, so did Trace finish his tour with Donovan in Dallas and then start a six month tour with the Trace Riley band? Is that what happened? I'm confused too, because that didn't make any sense to me. He just came off a three week break. So I wasn't yeah. sure how that all went down. Cause he's like, man, cause Lee says, I, I don't want to spend another, another night with you, you know, you two crazies. And uh, so, and then I think she said six months. This has been a six-month tour. Yeah, so I, I thought, was confused. I thought they meant it all together. Like, with Donovan? three-week break. Like, he, um, did a t he did something, uh, what was it? He was gone for so many months, three months. And then he was, he took a break for three weeks. And then, I don't know. I thought they meshed it all together, but... Cause the, I wasn't paying that close attention. I was looking <laughs> <laughs> so he's been, they've been away from touring with Donovan for, or part of that is in the six months. Yeah. That's how I took it. Okay. Cause it was confusing. And I was kind of like, what did we do a time jump and now it's six months or it's just been a couple weeks. I wasn't sure it was yeah. a little confusing for me. Um, and you have more photos and Trace gets a call from 
Abby about more photos surfacing of the girls and of their uh, goodbye in Dallas. And uh, I don't know, what do you think about this whole conflict that Abby's having with the pictures? <laughs> We're going to let Casey take this one. <laughs> um, so I had two thoughts. The first thought, my original thought was like, you're kidding, right? Like, you know, it's, this is 2018. You know, it's going to surface. Like, right. Um, but then towards later at the end of the episode, I realized I was like, okay, I can see why she was, you know, freaking out because of her kids. And that's a big thing. Like, sure. Put me out there, put him out there, but don't mess, don't put my children's faces out there. So I, I mean, I completely understand that. And the, the need to um, like want to protect them, especially because she, um, you know, uprooted their lives for a simpler life and all that stuff. Um, so I can understand her in that aspect. However, um, first off, is he supposed to be like Keith Urban? <laughs> like, <laughs> even <laughs> Keith Urban and Nicole Kidman's children don't have as many photos. What are you thinking of them? Like, what is paparazzi? Like. Right. I mean, like, as the adult, I mean, like, her kissing Trace goodbye, and then that picture surfacing up in the internet, it's not like it's, like, you know, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston, yeah. you know, it's not like, you know, they're, that picture's not gonna sell, like, it's really okay. I mean, these kids are, are they going to, like, play school with Surrey Cruz? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read a lot of gossip columns, magazines, online websites, whatever, but I can guarantee when I do decide to devote time to them, I'm not looking for celebrities' kids. Yeah. I'm not like, okay, I just need to see what their kids look like. For real, like, oh. the only ones I can think of are Michael Jackson's kids and Surrey Cruz. Like, those are the only, yeah. like, famous kids that maybe, like, Macaulay Culkin in his day. <laughs> <laughs> or, I guess, like, um, the ones that I... That, I think the first things that come to mind are maybe, um, what is the, oh, what's his name? Um, the soccer player, David Beckham and Victoria uh, Beckham. Like their kids are, but they have their own like social media accounts. So that's like out there, but. Maybe. Yeah, I guess Will Smith's kids, you could say them, I guess. They're like trying to be in the business. So it's right. like, you really, but I don't actively like, dude, I just really wish I knew what like Dak Shepard and Kristen Bell's kids look like. I just, <laughs> I don't care. I could care less what they look like. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like a stretch. And like, I don't know, I guess I kind of feel like this situation isn't going away. Like, we, we keep talking about it and how stressful it is. But <laughs> it's like, a, it's a conflict that's not interesting because there's nothing that can be done about it. If right. supposedly they're in some weird psycho world that people want pictures of these kids, there's nothing anybody can do about it. There's nothing Trace can do about it. So being mad at him does nothing. I mean, I guess you could get bodyguards or something, but that's like, I don't know. It's just not, an, it's not interesting. Speak shorts. They're not in LA. They're not in New York. <laughs> right. They're not in Nashville even, you know. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> like, these kids are more famous than the Obama kids. I mean, this is just, this is crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's not interesting, and you get Lee being kind of huffy this whole episode. We'll talk about more about that. Um, <laughs> but then we get this whole plot line with Kevin, I mean, with, um, 
we get this whole plot line with Brie and Simon. So Brie is editing her book and like, I don't know, maybe it's just hard because my sister's a published author. I know how hard it is. I know about the editing process. I know what she's had to go through. And so I just find Brie to be super immature. And this is supposedly someone who has had multiple plays be put on. Like you're telling me that no, at no point in any of these, in any of her writing, did anybody like edit or like, I don't know. I just felt like she was being super immature and irritating. And I didn't like, I didn't like this whole thing. Like you have to, as an author, like the editing process is brutal and it takes sometimes years, sometimes years of rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting and brutal. Like you'll have, you'll turn in uh, transcripts and uh, the entire thing will just be red, 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 red marks all over the place. And that's just the way it is. And I feel like she just needs to grow up. Uh, am I, I mean, too mean? <laughs> no, I, cause I get what you're saying. And I agree. Cause part of it's like, dude, you're a writer. Editing is part of the process. You got to get over it. But part of me, and maybe I'm reading way too much in this, but part of me feels like her apprehension comes from being with Martin for so long, who just took her words and rewrote them and just did what he wanted to. And she had like, basically once she gave him her, her play scripts, he just like did whatever. And that mm -hmm. really like kind of always upset her. And now that she's in complete control of her own words, seeing somebody else try and change her words is probably like, wait, no, 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 don't do it. Cause she's been like that for eight years in Chicago with Martin. So I kind of feel like maybe that's why she's over the top protective of her words but there comes a point where it's like I really appreciated at the end of the episode when she finally let go because yes yeah it comes to a point where yes it was a little much and I was like okay but you know this is part of the job yeah yeah that's a good point I forget about the whole Martin thing because it wasn't really part of the show much right. so I kind of forget but that's a good point what do you think Casey about Brie um yeah I mean as someone who I majored in English Mm -hmm. I did a lot of classes with a lot of writers. So it's a very insecure thing when you don't think you're that good. And mm -hmm. I think that's where Brie is. I think she's just super insecure about her writing, probably because of Martin. Um, and I also think that she's like uber protective of this story because it's her story. It's not like she just pulled some characters out of a hat and just like built a fictional story. I think in that case, she wouldn't have been so like, oh my goodness, you can't do that. You can't take that out and this and whatever is too personal to her. Yeah. And I think that when you're writing something that's extremely personal, it's hard for you to take somebody else's critiques. Um, and I think that's where she's at because it is her story and it is her life as she's admitted that she is Casey. Yeah. Um, I will say on a side note, the storyline with her and Simon in the book, I'm really disappointed to say this, but it's kind of getting boring because <laughs> I really like Brie and, um, but her storyline, man, I'm just like, okay, can we just read the book now? Can we have an episode where we reenact the entire book so we can know what's going on? Because like, I'm done talking about the editing process. <laughs> Honestly, the most exciting thing that's happened with Brie this season is the whole play with the rose. Like, that was hilarious, and I loved that. But, 
because it was so ridiculous. But, but yeah, I agree with you. She's just not, it's just not doing it for me. And I, I don't, I like Simon, but I don't feel like they have that great a chemistry. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. It's hard just because they're putting themselves, they haven't given them enough cute moments, but I don't know. I like both of those actors individually, but I don't know if I'm really feeling it between the two of them. I like it. I like them. Yeah. I want I, to happen. I hope that they'll give us some more cute moments because then I'll be more invested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, but we'll see. But yeah, that was not my favorite. <laughs> um, and then you have cute scene in the house where I love all the scenes when they're all together in the house, people coming in and out and a mix trying to get somebody to help them with the lights. Megan agrees to help them with the lights. And uh, of course she does. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and when we find out that Sarah has been injured and is in the hospital. And so, uh, you know, obviously people are very upset. Kevin, and you see Kevin and Connor in the hospital, and he's very upset, and it kind of brings back all of these memories of his own injury in uh, the war. And, uh, yeah, so what did we think about this kind of this whole, this whole plot with Kevin and Sarah? What do you think, Lisa? Um, you know, I I I get kind of apprehensive about um purposely like tugging on heartstrings. Uh-huh. I don't I don't know how to word it. Like um, you know, when at the beginning of the whole uh, series when they brought Kevin's character in and immediately he was hurt, it just kind of felt forced. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't respond well to that. However. Mm-hmm. they were getting hurt on the job I thought it was a really interesting way to bring back like circle back to his issues because it's kind of like he got better and then that was it we stopped talking about Kevin and the war and how that affected him and it just kind of went away and so I thought that was an interesting way to circle back and kind of discuss it again and have him evaluate his feelings on it again and and realize oh this is what you guys went through when I was hurt and I know how it feels now on both sides and I don't know I I um I didn't feel like it was forced and you know like a force mm-hmm. let's tug on your heartstrings a little bit I, I liked it I yeah. liked what it led up to at the end of the episode yeah uh what about you Casey what do you think yeah I agree with Lisa I thought it felt very natural um just because of his past in her job um, and she was introduced to us last season as a, she's a firefighter, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, we had gotten to know her character and know her profession and all that stuff. So, um, I think to Lisa's point, had they introduced, you know, we had Georgia and then they introduced this girl. And if this happened last season, it'd be too forced. But, um, I like that they've, um, you know, they've kind of stretched out their relationship. So, Nothing is super, um, I don't know, fake. Yeah. yeah, I liked this. I thought it was good. I thought that Brendan Penny did a good job in his acting in this, in this whole part. He's struggling uh, where we see throughout the episode that Sarah has this whole new sort of lease on life and is really just pushing things, pushing things. And that's something that they can kind of relate to. But it's something that's kind of scaring Kevin. And I thought that I was pretty well done. Uh, pretty, pretty, 
pretty compelling conflict, whereas a lot of the other conflict didn't interest me. So I like that part. Uh, and um, so, yeah, and we, we do get to see Megan and Mick taking down the lights. And I like that Mick, Mick is just like, killing it this season he's just like the smartest guy and he just says uh, about thomas he says there's a reason for diminished expectations and she says well we can't lose hope and he says no not giving up hope i'm like that's exactly the right response i think right he's nailing it <laughs> yeah and i liked at the end of the scene when she's like margarita pizza he goes into did you know margarita pizza was named after I'm like what's <laughs> <laughs> Which is like such a dad thing. My dad would totally have, my dad's like Mr. Trivia when it comes to like weird things. So yeah. Um, yeah. And so you get this whole scene with Trace going to dinner at John and Linda's house. And I think the whole point of all of this was so that he could kind of see that like what life could be like with Abby um, as a musician with, you know, with kids and stuff. And, um, I don't know. It was cute enough. Did you think at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you think, Casey? I mean, I, I thought it was cute. Um, cause I could see him going, Oh, this could be my life one day. Um, but <laughs> the one thing that struck me, so I never understood why on TV, um, why parents sent their kids to bed while it was still daylight. Uh-huh. Uh, just like they did here. And then I became a parent and I quickly realized why. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That was the only thing. That was the other thing I noticed. It wasn't anything else about like Linda and John and their relationship with Trace now and you know, how they've moved on from the accident. It wasn't about the cuteness of the kids. It was the fact that it was daylight outside and um, they're going to bed. <laughs> Casey, I thought the exact same thing. I was like, good for them because those kids got right up from the table and were like, yeah, bedtime, look. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's daylight outside. Man, y'all got it going on. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's got to be the dream of every parent is to get your kids so you have the evening basically, you know, to do stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I was difficult when I was little. I've always had, I've always struggled with sleep even when I was a little girl. And uh, it, it was um, very hard for my parents to get me to fall asleep. <laughs> and one time my grandma came into town and she was like, oh, I, I can make this, you know, this girl fall asleep or whatever. And she thought my parents were being like undisciplined or something. And <laughs> I guess like she tried and she came out like two hours later. She's like, I, I give up. <laughs> I'm done. I was like, I give up. That's amazing. And, uh, yeah. But in, in fairness to me, I was perfectly, pretty much, I think, perfectly content to just like sit and, and my mom would, would uh, open the door and she'd see me awake. She's like, what are you doing awake? And be like, I'm thinking, leave me alone. <laughs> that was the same way. And my grandma tried to intervene too, but my grandma did it the Hispanic way. She took me to a witch doctor. Or oh, no. Yeah. And she didn't tell my mom she was doing it, and she found out later, and my mom was mad. They, she, they thought they could cure me of my insomnia. It didn't work? No, I. but I had to drink this tea for like three days and do all these prayers with leaves. It, yeah, it was... <laughs> That's really funny. Oh, well, anyway, so 
then we get the scene between uh we get some scenes in this episode between connor and mick and i i just i don't understand what this conflict is i don't get it because he's so upset and i'm like didn't we not hear in the second episode that Nick had made everything right and Douglas had agreed to the original deal as planned? Like, and Thomas is fine. <laughs> like, I don't understand why Connor is upset. I don't understand what Mick has done. And like, yeah, there's maybe past baggage, but I don't know. I don't feel like the show has done a very good job of building up why why Mick is at fault here. And I feel like it makes Connor seem really, really uh, whiny and immature. And I, it's not that the actors aren't doing a good job with what they're given, but I just don't think the writing is very good. And that's what's frustrating. I don't understand why Connor's upset. Right. Mm-hmm. You guys agree? Yeah, I agree. I wrote here in my notes, I don't understand why Connor is still mad. Three question marks. <laughs> good i'm probably not the only one yeah i really i agree like um the writing is not as strong um with mick and connor's storyline um you know had we seen a lot more tension in season one and two and just like building and building and building and building kind of like we saw with jess and megan Mm -hmm. um i think it'd be you know, much more understandable, like, oh, this is the last straw. My dad, you know, made me look like a fool because nobody wants to look like a fool in Connor's shoes, especially, you know, being straight out of law school, being like this big bad lawyer, I'm going to take you down type of guy. And then like, just like that, you're, you know, aside from the fact that Mick made everything right. Um, But yeah, it was just kind of like, oh, I thought we were (laughs) cool-ish. Yeah. And and Mick is just like, when he's ready... I'm ready. And that's the right choice. <laughs> like He's making all the right choices. I don't know. It's just weird. And yeah, I feel like the writing makes us, is trying to get us to feel for Connor when he's the one that, I, and I don't, even though I like Andrew Francis so much, I feel like Mick's the one that is making, I don't know, it's just a weird thing when the writing's telling you, telling you to feel one way, but the facts and what they built up tell you to feel another way. Yeah. Although, there, yeah, I mean, as as the episode went on and they had their other scene, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, um, I kind of had an idea. But in that moment, yeah, it just came off as petty. And it's like, dude, first Kevin tried to make amends and you were like, go away. I don't want to hear it. And then now your dad's trying to make amends and you're like, go away. I don't want to hear it. And I'm just like, it just comes off super petty. And I'm like, why are you so bitter? Like, everyone's trying to like, resolve stuff and it's just being thrown back in their face and I don't understand it either and I agree with both of you guys that I think if it had led up to more of a we heard about all the stuff that happened maybe even just in a couple of mentions here and there like things that happened in the past it would make more sense but I don't understand they didn't seem in the past couple seasons that at odds with each other so this seems like kind of coming out of nowhere but I 100% thought that he was going to fall off that deck as he backed up and he was like, just never mind. He backs up. I was like, oh, and I was waiting for it. And it didn't happen. I was like, because that would have been funny after all that serious moment. Of <laughs> if anything, I thought that Connor had more issues with Megan, for sure, going in. Yeah. 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 
they haven't really played or written his um character very consistently either yeah. i feel like um i definitely felt like he had more conflict with his mom especially in season one mm-hmm. like when he made her cry and everything when she, i think he went to visit her in new york or she saw she went yeah. to his mom and was like oh your dad helped you and he was like my dad does not need to help me you know and got all like huffy or whatever <laughs> um, um and then he did have like a few moments with his dad but it wasn't like that um and also i feel like his character like his you know rant or anger with um kevin would have been much more believable had he been like that with all his siblings like you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah. Just consistently like that that sibling the real jerkish sibling that you love to hate and hate to love you know but we all love Connor in his own weird, annoying, petty way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he's, I think, one of the most popular characters. And it, it, I don't know, maybe it's just me uh, that really likes Andrew Francis. But I, I, I don't know. I just don't understand what they're doing. But I do like, we got a cute scene with the girls at lunch. We are strong women and nothing can break the bonds of sisterhood. That's cute. <laughs> I, I like the group moments in the show probably the best you get that yeah. chemistry between all of them and uh, i think that's when the show is at its best mm-hmm. i agree um and then we get this whole plot line with trace writing this song timeless and like honestly it it's perfectly fine song like whatever but like i don't know (laughs) um so like lee is mad at trace for writing on his own which i just don't understand talk about inconsistency because the last episode there's a whole scene where trace is like i'm used to doing things on my own what and then how this episode like how could you write one song without me what what is going on and like why on earth would she be like this is a person who has literally saved her butt a thousand times she would be completely out having to she would like he had many times where he should have if he was being practical and smart he should have dumped her long ago and he has been loyal and to her and she's throwing a pissy fit because he wrote one song by himself that's yeah. insane yeah <laughs> i thought the whole thing was ridiculous i thought it's one song like if he came to you and was like i recorded an entire album last night that i wrote myself well we'd have issues but one song about his girlfriend right. And, like, it's not uncommon, even if you did do a whole album, like, it's not uncommon for bands, for the lead singer to do a solo album and, you know, just keep going on and then go back to the band. And, uh, like, not every band is you, too. I mean, this is ridiculous. And still play your keyboard, lady. Don't worry about it. And it's the Trace Riley band. The Trace yeah. Riley show. <laughs> Trace Riley on the bus. I mean, big letters, not Trace and Lee. It's yeah. the Trace and Lee band. She should be so grateful for everything that he did. Like, 
I mean, it's nonsensical, to be honest, what he did for her. <laughs> and and yeah. so, like, this was ridiculous. And yeah, I didn't like it. It was I terrible. Thought we, I thought we were over this. Like, I thought that the whole Trace and Lee, like, she liked him, but he didn't like her thing. I thought that was done and gone with until they just threw this thing in there. And I was like, what? Yeah, because it was like a little moment where she's about to say something else and then the phone rings and she's like, Okay, are you are you really about to go back and be like, but us, us schmuss, he's over here bringing his girlfriend on tour. Get over it. Yeah. It was it's, it's like, you, you know. She knows. Yeah. She knows about Abby. It's not like, oh, Abby's this old girlfriend that I just, like, just popped up last week. Yeah. 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 I mean, she would have to be the stupidest singer in the world to try that. <laughs> like, anyway so and and that's when writing gets frustrating when people are making nonsensical decisions and people are you're you're supposed to buy conflict that doesn't make sense and so then it's just not conflict because it doesn't feel authentic or real and i don't know it's just not (laughs) frustrating end up on him and he was singing a song with the guitar he totally reminded me of uncle jesse from (laughs) (laughs) i can see that yeah. And um, just like the way he was singing it, and he was like all laid back on, you know, his chair or whatever. I think there was a, a moment with Jesse when he and Rebecca were about to break up, and he's like strumming on the guitar, singing this really yeah. sad song or whatever. And she walks in, and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like such a parallel moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that's a good comparison. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Uh, then, yeah, we get the scene between Mick and Connor. I'm so tired of this. All we do is fight and make up and do this. And pretend that everything is better. I guess we have to take his word on that because we haven't seen the show. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then more Bree and Simon and this whole thing of this Volkswagen Beetle that's uh, unfixable. Um, I'm not sure when you're super rich like they are, how it can truly be unfixable, but okay. And, uh, um, and then she says, I'm ice climbing without a rope. That's what this feels like. What does she mean by that? I think because earlier he asked, do you like winter sports? And she said, <laughs> yeah, I lived in Copenhagen, which I thought was really cute though. Side note yeah. when she called it, like they say there, because that's where she's from. And I was like, good for you. Yeah, Way to bring that, that was in real quick. That was cute. But, yeah, I think it's because she has earlier, she liked winter sports, and I think she was just bringing it back, being like, this is like ice, whatever, without a rope. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was bad it, again. Yeah. yeah it, it was, I did like that also with her and, and uh, bringing in the Denmark. That was fun. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a nice little moment between Megan and Kevin. Megan says, I can't begin to know what you went through, but I do know the more you continue to pretend, the more scary it got. So that was nice. I I would like them to do more with Megan as an autonomous character, making her own choices as opposed to just sort of the sage wisdom. Uh, That would be fun to see in the season. Can I just say that back in the beginning of the episode when they were all in the kitchen and Brie comes rushing in and is like, I've had the worst night ever, no excuses, no whatever. Um, and Megan makes the comment, oh, I can't wait to read your book. And Bree stops and is like, yeah, I kind of felt like that was telling us 
eventually oh. the book's going to come out and that Megan's going to be super hurt about it. And maybe that's how we're going to get to the point where we evaluate Megan's choices and talk about them. And I'm hoping so because <laughs> that's what I've been waiting for is discussing yeah. Megan and her decisions way back when. Good catch. I hope so too. So, yeah, I so hope. Too. <laughs> um, yeah. So then we get the scene with Bree and Jess going to Abby's work and then Trace showing up and playing his timeless song. <laughs> I wish that all the people watching could see. these <laughs> things. Um, so I saw Amber's tweet about not liking uh, people that, that play guitar. The, the times in her life when someone has played a guitar for her being awkward. Um, but I have to say that like most romantic gestures, if they're not somebody you're super into are awkward and weird and uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you're super into them, then it's like really romantic. Uh, and <laughs> so I think that might be the difference. Um, but, uh, cause if my significant other was a country music singer and they wrote a song about me and played it for me, I think I would be romantic. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe in the framing that they did, because it was one-on-one, -on -one, and I guess so, but when I got married at my wedding, my husband wrote me a song and sang it at the wedding, and I was just, it was very sweet, and I loved the song, but it was in front of everybody, and I was very like, oh my god, everybody's watching. Everybody's seeing all this. Like, this was a very intimate moment, and it was just like, I kind of froze, and then in response, instead of being like, oh, I loved it, I sang the song from Napoleon Dynamite, I Love Technology, in response. So that tells you my level of real-life <laughs> romantic responses here. I can't help it, y'all, and I'm sorry. I know that for all the Travi people, it was very, very romantic and sweet, but I, my first reaction, I legit laughed out loud, and I had to get up and leave the room. <laughs> There, I said it. And on the rewatch, I laughed again out loud, knowing it was coming. And I went, <laughs> I laughed. I, I think they need to make a Hallmark movie about your wedding. This sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds way better than this. So, like, over the top, swoony at each other because he's like looking into her eyes, strumming <laughs> that guitar. And she's like loving every second of it. <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing. I'm sorry. I know it was supposed to be super romantic. In um, How I Met Your Mother, they have this, Barney has this whole thing about the Dahmer versus uh, Dobbler effect. That like, <laughs> when it's somebody you're like creeped out about and they do something romantic, then it's like super creepy, like Jeffrey Dahmer creepy. But like, when it's someone you like, then it's like Lloyd Dobbler from Say Anything doing this romantic gesture. And uh, so I think that there's some truth in that. Song. I would have been into that if she'd have been in the office and she heard music and she looked out the window and he was standing up there holding the thing up for the trench coat, <laughs> yeah. doing the song. Yeah. Because they've already done other 80s flashback movies. Let's roll that in there. But he kind of got up right in the face and was like <laughs> drumming that guitar. I think that was a missed opportunity. Like, she's just lucky that, like, none of her coworkers came in and, uh, I mean... That would have been really hilarious if her boss had, like, come in and, like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, um, anyway, it, so, yeah. Can I just say real quick, it, the, after I, after I watched it a second time and he says, she's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, 
you know, I tell you all the time that you're the most important thing in my life. I thought it was time to show you. And I was like, how has he not shown her over this entire season that she's important? Yeah. He's watched her kids. He's mm-hmm. taken them to the beach. He's read bedtime stories to yeah. her, to them. He's um, like tried to take breaks and tours to come see her. Like every waking moment is him doing stuff for her. And I'm like, huh. Well, let's not forget that the last episode was just him doing this huge romantic gesture in the museum. Right. Like, how are you not showing her all the freaking time that she's the most important thing to you? I mean, these O'Brien women are high maintenance. Legit. I'd be excited just to bring me muffins from Grant's house. Just bring me those and I'd be in. For sure. Uh, yeah, so that's very true. That's a very good point. That was uh, part of my second question, is why is Trace so perfect? Yeah, he really is. I mean, he has not had a selfish moment all season. He has not had a weak moment all season. And I don't think they, at least I didn't feel that way about the other seasons. Like, he had conflict, and he was, mm-hmm. you know, he had selfish moments, and he had, you know, like, I don't know what it is about the season that, like, it's weird. <laughs> it's like they were afraid to, I don't know. I, it's like they were afraid to give the characters real conflict because mm-hmm. they were afraid of making them unlikable. And maybe they got feedback that the characters were unlikable or something. So then they were like scared of it. But I, mean, I know this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'd rather have like Trace be a little unlikable and them have to work on that. Yeah. And her struggle maybe a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I just I know that the show is supposed to be framed about Abby coming back and establishing herself with it because that's the way it started. You know, the whole series is her leaving New York to try and reconnect with her family and spend more time with her kids and et cetera, et cetera. And I know that the flagship relationship is supposed to be those two. But this year it seems they've really been pushing hard. Trace and Abby, Trace and Abby, and okay, so I maybe that's why they're aiming for perfection because it's like the relation, the cornerstone relationship of this show. Which I'm like, uh, hey, uh. Justin David, and I don't fault the actors because I think they're doing fine. Like right. I don't think it's Jesse Metcalf's fault. No, not at all. I, really I don't think don't. so either. He's I think all, all my actresses are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Uh, it's just the writing, it's not there, and it's frustrating me. But, um, but anyway, and so, um, so then we get, uh, we, we finally get Brie kind of letting go of these things, and she says, everything you said about me emotionally protecting myself is true. Uh, they have, her and Simon have a drink, and that was kind of a nice scene after a frustrating episode, I felt like. <laughs> It was nice, but it was in a bar with a yeah. live show behind them. And I'm like, who goes to a bar with a live show behind this? Can we talk? No, you're at a live show. Go somewhere else. <laughs> That's, true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, he was kind of like, well, I just wanted you to have a drink. And so then we have Kevin and Sarah um, running and she like for Brendan Penny to like he got a workout this episode. <laughs> they were running fast. Yeah, they were. 
and keeping up full conversations I was like that's super running goals yeah right <laughs> yeah I was breathless watching them I was like <gasps> yeah I mean the one thing that I liked the storyline as a whole but like I kind of feel like none of the things that she was really doing were really that dangerous and like she was doing them with a lot of passion but like running hard is not really a bad thing and also like skydiving is basically pretty safe I mean I'm not gonna do it because I'm gonna throw up but I think it's pretty safe like especially the first time you go with another person who's like trained and you know whatever so like I actually don't know if like she you know she's living like she she got a whole new lease on life and so she's doing things and and he says you can't go from high to high but I kind of wish maybe they had like maybe made one of the things a little bit more reckless like maybe she I mean you're not gonna have drunk driving in a Hallmark show but like just something like that that's like truly irresponsible and truly stupid because I don't think any of them were but overall I was fine with it I, I thought that they did a pretty good job uh, with the two of them in their I don't know but that was the only thing I was like I think they should put one thing that was like truly irresponsible to make it more compelling mm -hmm. yeah yeah so then we get another scene with Connor and Mick and they're talking about the boat and everything and tying the knots and uh, Connor says well no one was there to teach me and Mick just says I'm sorry and that seems to be oh, that seems to be do the trick <laughs> for <laughs> Connor <laughs> well I think that was more metaphorical because Mick says before that he says you don't know much about boats and he acts surprised like he acts like how do you not know anything about boats and that's when Connor was like, no one was there to teach me. And I think it kind of clicked in Mick's mind that he had a lot of missed opportunities with Connor when Connor was growing up. Yeah. And, you know, I don't, I, of course we don't know the background, but um, I feel like Connor probably really wanted to look up to his dad, especially when his mom left, mm -hmm. but he was such a workaholic that, you know, he didn't get taught all that stuff, like all that manly man manly man boy yeah truck driving boat riding <laughs> i don't know what boys do i have daughters so uh yeah you know all that stuff um so i i think that's what that was all about which then i was like okay yeah see this but again had they had a stronger conflict and had they had a more consistent character with connor um and had they had Mick, you know, realize that some, at some point, just try harder with Connor. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, let's go ride in. Let's do this. And Connor's like, now, 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 now. Like, you know, just like the climax of it all, rather than like, oh, boop, nope, sorry, dad. Boop, oh, yeah, we're cool. Boop, no, I'm mad at you, you know. Um, I yeah. feel like it would have been much more, I don't know heartwarming, climactic, like, teary. I, I think they really missed an opportunity with that storyline, with the Mick and Connor conflict. Yeah. As a whole. Right. I agree with you. And it's, it's interesting to me because I feel like in any other, like, if, if the gender, if the gender roles were reversed and, uh, and you had, uh, it was the, the wife who was left 
raising five kids and the husband was had left to you know go for the city or whatever like without a doubt then the 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 husband leaving the father would be a villain and the 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 single mom raising these five kids would be this like super empowered strong person so it's kind of interesting to me and i don't feel like they have really monopolized off this because i and i was hoping they would after my interview with barbara and i hope maybe they still will but like i think it it's really an it's an interesting character choice to have a mother leave her children that's very unusual in a especially in a show like this mm -hmm. and I would like to know more about why that happened and, and sort of, and I don't know, it, it's interesting to me that they still are kind of villainizing uh, Mick a little bit here when like, again, if it was a, if it was a woman that was this, you know, left with these five kids, there's no doubt in my mind, she would be the like strong single mom empowered woman character. And so like, I mean, that was really, as far as all that we know, that was super hard. I can't even imagine being a man uh, and having to raise three girls, you know, having to figure that out, uh, and then trying to also be a good father to two sons, plus having to run this giant company and uh, and whatever else he does as far as work, like that's a tall order. And so, like, <laughs> I I don't know. I think it's an interesting kind of a thing, and I wish that the show would. I don't know. I wish that the show was better written and was making more advantage of this sort of unusual situation and kind of diving into those characters a little bit better. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that the reason why they're villain, quote unquote villainizing Mick's character a little bit is because I always had the impression that he didn't really raise them either. Um, he was off doing all the work, you know, 80 hours a week. He was just, you know, basically paying quote unquote paying child support with just being a present parent with full custody because I was under the impression that Nell raised them all. Mm. That's that, what that I thought. That's why um, the younger ones have such issues with him because I think like Jess, Connor and Brie were all really young. Like I think they were all under the age of like maybe 11 or something like that. Whereas Bri um, Abby and Kevin were in like junior high, high school. And so they probably, probably always go like, to Abby. Yeah. Right. So they were probably like, oh, you know, mom and dad fighting. This is normal. Okay, great. Mom and dad are separated. So now our life is going to be normal and happy. And they were probably just like off doing their own thing. Whereas the younger ones needed both parents. Not that high schoolers right. don't need both parents, but um, I right. think it just brought a different dynamic because they still needed, they, they needed their mom. And then when their mom left, they look to their dad, but then their dad wasn't there half the time. So they're like, well, forget you. And so mm -hmm. then they have Nell. Everybody loves Nell. Everyone's yeah. like, are you muffins? And, you know, they just like yeah. love and adore her as if she was their mom. And she was. She was like their surrogate mom. Yeah, that's a that's, good point. That's true. That's the impression I got after the first season was that, you know, because they kept Mick on the phone all the time and always storming out, like, I got to take this, whatever, you know. Um, and that's the impression I got is that, you know, he was there physically, but not emotionally because he was always at work providing for this large family that he was left in. And that was the choice, you know, he made. And as I think that's what they were touching on at the beginning of the series, when it's like, he looks around and he's like, oh my God, all my kids are grown up and some of them have kids. And this is my chance to reconnect because they're all back. 
and I think that that just eventually kind of glossed over and we they moved on to other things and I agree with both of you guys it was a missed opportunity to really dive into these type of issues because it's a pretty dang common occurrence for families to split up nowadays yeah. whether not really so much the woman leaving the kids behind so that's another interesting dynamic and I think that there's so many things that they could go into here so yeah yeah I just think that it could have been and I hope that maybe maybe they will do it in the rest of the season but I don't know just yeah. it's an interesting idea of like a woman making such a non-maternal choice and I I feel like I I would like to know sort of why more why she did it and also I I don't know I just think I don't know, it's just interesting to me. But and I and I really do think that if it had been Mick that had left, he would be the villain of this show. And uh and so they have an opportunity to do something nuanced and interesting, but I don't think they've really monopolized it this season. So we'll see. So you get a whole scene between uh Kevin and Sarah running again. <laughs> and he says that he says I love you. That was a cute scene when he, he finally they finally tell each other that they love love each other it's kind of cute i yeah. thought i wrote it in all caps in my notes it's all caps i was like oh they love each other <laughs> yeah. I it was cute it was cute yeah. did you like that casey i thought it was adorable i kind of squealed just a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and i wasn't expecting that either i thought they were just gonna be like I don't know. I really, I, I was not expecting an I love you. Not mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, but when he said that and then he was like, I mean, I love that we're done running. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I love you. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I know. He does that little shirt grab on her and he's like, okay. And then he's like, so we love each other. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, that's cute. <laughs> Yeah, that's super cute. It was really, really cute. And you get another scene between Simon and Brie. And she says, uh, he says, what am I in the book? And I guess there's, he's Wallace, the marine, uh, whatever, biologist or something like that. And, <laughs> and she finally decides to accept his changes and, uh, and she's going to, she's going to sub out the car for a Aston Martin for a, for a British car. <laughs> uh, so that was cute. That's cute enough. Yeah. Uh, and then we get Jess and Abby gardening, and Jess's fashion, the costuming this season has been really good. Like, I would love to wear all of these clothes if I, <laughs> they're really attractive clothes. Uh, and, and it was pretty fun, uh, because they're gardening, and David shows up behind Jess with the shoe. That was pretty great. <laughs> you agree, Casey? I totally agree. I screamed too. I yeah. was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. I was very, 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 very happy um, for that moment. And um, I had to laugh at Abby uh, when she was like, oh, okay, I really shouldn't be. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. They are doing a really good job with that whole relationship. It is so swoon worthy. I think that's the best word to describe it is swoon worthy. And like David is, I don't know if you are still in the market for a candy man gardener. <laughs> She's like, and he's like, I missed her more than anything. That's so swoon worthy. 
and sweet and adorable. Yeah. Yeah. It really I was. I liked fun. it, but I was disappointed. Why were you disappointed? <gasps> I, don't get me wrong, because when his little shoes showed up in that corner of the screen and I knew it was David, I was like, shut up. I was so excited. <laughs> However, I now I'm wondering if they're ever going to go back to his parents. I wanted more i wanted like maybe a scene where it's him arguing with his parents and saying no i forget it you treated her this way like i wanted that big yeah you know it's a good point. like scene like with his parents and him saying and i wanted to know what's with his sister does now is she now the ceo or did he say were you a part of this like how did this happen like i you know i wanted that whole scene and now i'm worried you know with the way conflicts being resolved so far this series that that's it we'll never see the boston text again and it's just over and i'm like i'm excited he's back but yeah i don't know i just wanted a little bit more like maybe on his end have i lost her is she gone what did y'all do how dare you i love her i don't want your stupid company i want her and i'm going back I know, factor. I know it takes away the surprise factor. I know it takes away the surprise factor of his little shoes showing up on the screen, but I wanted more. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that is totally the season, bringing up conflict and then retiring the Hi. conflict. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very true. It was a fun moment, but yeah, I could have seen, I could have used a couple dishy. That's one thing, like, this season hasn't been dishy enough. Like, if this is going to be kind of a, uh, like, I really saw this show as kind of an Aaron Spelling kind of show uh, in the mm-hmm. first two seasons, and those shows were way more dishy. Even something like Seventh Heaven was still, like, I don't know, I think more dishy. <laughs> With, like, the type of conflict and, like, how could you do this to me and whatever. And I, I, I feel like there's, they're, they're not being brave enough and they're not being consistent enough. And I don't know. It's just not quite working. And I feel like I'm negative Nelly, but I have to be honest. <laughs> there's no point in doing the podcast if I'm not honest. Uh, that it's not really working uh, very well, I don't think, this season. Um but I hope that they'll turn around. So, uh, but yeah, it was a cute moment. And yeah, the last scene was with Trace and them getting on the bus again and, uh, and John saying goodbye to Linda. And yeah, I don't know how long he's going to be on tour for or what's going on uh, with that, but there you go. That's the ending. So it's interesting. Uh, Hopefully next week, uh, we'll see something that's a little more compelling. Oh, it's interesting. But uh, let us know in the comments section, are we too hard on it? Uh, what do you think about the writing, uh, about the different conflicts, the different characters? What did you think of this episode? Uh, we'd love to hear and let it, or let us know on Twitter. Uh, we would love to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, Lisa, where can people find you? I am on um, Twitter and Instagram at Girls on Hallmark. Great. And uh, Casey, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at Hallmark My Words. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews on iTunes and on YouTube. And make sure following the podcast at Hallmarkies Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and all the other social media. If you can put in your reviews on iTunes, it really helps us. We really appreciate that if you can do that or um, thumbs up the if you're listening on YouTube. And we hope you enjoyed 
uh, our interview with Lane Edwards that posted uh, on Monday. Uh, it was so much fun, one of my favorites. And uh, and then we had our fall movie preview uh, with Greg McBride on Wednesday. So hope you enjoyed that. And uh, thanks so much, uh, ladies, and we'll look forward to next week. <laughs> I'll be a little bit more. It'll only be, hopefully be a real turning point episode for our characters. Let's hope. <laughs> so, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. Bye.